Football is around the corner, and we are ramping it up over here on the Ringer NFL feed in the month of August. Every week, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you not one, but two extra point takens. That's right, double the trouble as we predict, debate, and analyze our way through camp and the preseason every Monday and Friday. But that is not all. Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Wednesday. We'll talk about everything in the world of the NFL. And who knows, maybe Steven will even have something nice to say about your favorite squad. Though, frankly, I wouldn't count on it. Subscribe to The Ringer NFL Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow The Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Ringer NFL. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. We have updated rankings at fantasyfootball.300.com. Please check this out. Top 200. All the stuff updated. Please check out fantasyfootball.300.com. Today, about those rankings, we have to admit some stuff to you. Other than they're perfect and accurate. Yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, when parents say that they love all their kids equally, <laughs> they're lying. <laughs> They definitely have favorites. Yeah. Same with but us. More importantly, it's sometimes it's like less about having a favorite and it's more about having least favorites. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> just, I think this is, if anything, this episode's kind of coming clean because it's the players that we don't really like but have to rank. So, for example, Michael Pittman is the 77th player in these rankings. I got to tell you the truth, guys. I don't really even like Michael Pittman at 77. <laughs> But at some point, it like defies professional credibility to put him lower than that. And right around there is where we have him. And we're going to kind of just peel the layer back on our process and tell you um, who we hate, even though we have them ranked. These are the yeah. players that we have a fiduciary responsibility to rank. <laughs> well, that, good word. Yeah. I was going to say, we all. It, this is us acknowledging we all have inherent biases and some of our biases can creep in to the ranks. But obviously, we don't want to go overboard with that and just rank like Michael Pittman, for instance, last, because that would be, you know, kind of dishonest, I guess. It's a tell. But yeah. everybody has these players. There are Everybody has players where they go, I don't care where they are. I'm just not drafting this guy. Yeah. <laughs> which is probably stupid. There, sh- there is a point at which I-, I should draft these guys if they fell low enough. And yet, I don't know if I would. We'll go through these guys. Some of them are guys who give you the ick. So we, we'll go through them all. But first, a couple pieces of news. One, Jonathan Taylor, Colts running back, left training camp. So this seems bad. This seems like it's devolving quickly. I mean, it already has gone horribly wrong in terms of like the Jim say Jonathan Taylor interaction and, and all that P- very public interaction. Um, but man, 
he he basically just left the team. I mean, they're calling it he's going to rehab, quote unquote. An excused like absence. Right. Offsite rehab. He's gone. His mom wrote a note. So it's the SpongeBob, I'm going to head out. <laughs> so on one hand, I, he probably does have this ankle thing. On the other hand, he, it's obviously because of the contract. Now, I will say part of the reason there's not really holding out anymore. I, I don't know how much we want to go to the contract stuff, but basically when you get franchise tagged, he's not actually allowed to sign an extension. Basically, he has a floor of what he's allowed to sign for. And he basically is like, will you pay me more for this season on top of that? And he basically has no leverage other than not playing football at all and foregoing 11 million. Basically, you'd have to give up 11 million dollars, not work this year and then be a free agent. And that's his leverage is not being paid 11 million dollars. So I think the situation is basically like, all right, well, then you can't find me because I'm technically not under contract. So I'm just not going to come till week one. And then at that point, but I don't know. It's, it's just bad vibes, man. And it looks like Kareem Hunt is now visiting the Colts. Shout out Jack for DMing us. That, that just happened. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. So the other one was that the Saints were going to sign Kareem Hunt. But now I guess the Colts situation, he's probably just trying to see who would give him more money or playing time. Well, now at this point, we'll see if Kareem Hunt actually goes to Indianapolis. But it's just bad vibes overall with Indianapolis. Like, this is just... Do, do you guys think that Zach Moss broke his arm in solidarity with Jonathan Taylor in terms of like, let's work together to leverage this. So you guys are going to have to sign some random dudes off the off the street. They signed Kenyon Drake. Well, more, they also signed a, a, a whale. Have you guys seen this thing with Jim Irsay? <laughs> yeah. We have this not is, talked about this in the show. So this is if you so heard like this, annoying. If I, if I was Jonathan Taylor, I would be so irate about this. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor is like, I would like $16 million. And Jim Irsay invites him on his bus and is like, you should be happy to be here, young man. I could die tomorrow. No one would care. Meanwhile, Jim Irsay is paying a, reportedly $20 million to relocate an orca out of SeaWorld and back into the ocean. <laughs> I mean... Which, I love I love the thought, Jim. That's a very nice thought. I kind of love that that he's doing that. Like, w- what an awesome like, f- you know, altruistic flex out of our boy Jim. He's worth like four billion dollars, and he's like, fuck it. I what was his quote like? If I have the money, like, why not? Yeah. And then Jonathan Taylor's like, can I have some of the money? And he's like, you ungrateful no. piece of yeah, shit. Fuck you. <laughs> Do you know how many orcas I could relocate? Wait until you're a geriatric orca and then talk to me. <laughs> Most of the no, running backs are before they turn thirty. What is Good like point. the movie or TV show that that would you would think that would be a plot line? I mean, this like, sounds like arrested, it's Arrested Development. It's it's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. They're they're spending instead of like investing in the company, they're buying they're they're moving a whale. Yeah, it's like <laughs> wait, what's the sister driving Porsche? a whale on on the ch- on the stair car? He's literally what's, making a whale play on moving a whale. <laughs> God. Wait, what is a Porsche's character in Arrested Development? Uh, Lindsay? Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay, it's like yeah. Lindsay's like, Mike, he's like, Lindsay, how did we run out of money? He's like, we're relocating a whale, Michael. <laughs> $20 million. That's all it takes to get him back into the sea. Oh, my God. How much By could a way. whale cost? $20 million? Can <laughs> <laughs> you imagine if someone told Jonathan Taylor that? And he, that like, he was like, you're not serious. He's like, throw me in the ocean then, for Christ's exactly. sake. <laughs> yeah, they're putting Jonathan Taylor in SeaWorld. That's the other side of the deal. All right. So honestly, we should probably just like table this because we'll see if Cream Hunt goes to the Saints or not, or if he mm-hmm. goes to the Colts. So we'll table this and we'll figure out what to do with them later. But <laughs> someone's got to take the place of the, the Orca. You can see Jonathan Taylor just he, symbolically throwing his paycheck into the ocean, but it won't go in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You guys want to do players we hate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But let's be We don't hate them. You know, per no, se. we hate that we have to rank them. We right. don't hate them. 
Yeah, like I to be clear, Michael Pittman seems like a great guy. Yeah. And he's a good receiver. It's just like when I go to have to put him places, I keep thinking, nope, not here. Nope, not here. It's it's like furniture that I'm bringing to a new place. And I'm like, it doesn't really fit anywhere, but it was like too expensive to throw away. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I was, in I was storage. big on Pittman last year. What, what a was your guy what a miss. I know he was my Mike Williams of last year. Didn't work. All right. A guy that I hate that I have to rank is Dak Prescott on the Cowboys. We have him as our 10th QB overall. I wouldn't take him 10th. I don't know when I would take him, but I just kind of think injuries have changed this man. You know, it, since 2020, he's been really banged up, especially on the right side of his body. He's all right now, as the rest of the <laughs> development doctor would say. He had, a, he had obviously that horrible ankle dislocation. He got surgery on that. He sprained his right shoulder. He had a plate inserted into his right thumb. Um... I guess I kind of forgot how good Dak was in 2019 and 2020. He only played five games and four and a half games in 2020, but he was the QB one and QB three yeah. points per game. Those two seasons. He also was running a bunch at the start of his career. He had 18 rushing touchdowns in the first three seasons of his career. Now in the last two seasons, dude, he's averaging one rushing touchdown per season. Now, dude, the first four games before Dak got hurt, like when he broke his ankle and that gruesome, the first four games, he set a career high in passing yards four weeks in a row and he had the most passing yards in any four game stretch ever in NFL history. And now look, he led the league in picks last season. Could you attribute that to the thumb? Probably he missed five games because of it, but didn't go on IR. Um, Kellen Moore is now gone. Uh, people have kind of different views on what the Mike McCarthy play calling era will look like, but Dak is just a guy where I'm like, I get it. I've done it. I know what it's going to be. I don't, I don't, there's no way in, in my mind, this guy's going to be a top five quarterback. And He's frankly just kind of boring to me. It just doesn't feel like the ceiling is there anymore with him. And and as you spell it out, it's like mainly because he just doesn't run anymore. He used to be such a weapon in terms of, you know, those quarterback keepers where they do read option and he would just take it in untouched. No, and they'd all kind of like all the defense would collapse in on Ezekiel Elliott or whoever. And then he just kind of like waltz in. You just don't see that as much anymore. And, and you know, for a good reason, like he's trying to extend his career and all that, but it definitely like takes the ceiling out of his game. It feels like a lot. And so he's kind of, to me, he's in this sort of no man's land of, you know, he's got a good floor, but where's the ceiling? Shouldn't you just wait on a guy and hope for like getting a ceiling with, you know, an Anthony Richardson or Sam Howell or whoever, some, one of these young guys that's going to run a lot. Um, to me, Dak is just a safe, boring play that's in no man's land. And it's just, it, I'm not, I'm not ever motivated to take him there. The three quarterbacks around him in our rankings are Deshaun Watson, Daniel Jones, and Tua. Like yeah. all those players are so much more exciting than Dak Prescott. Exactly. When Dak came back, because remember he had that thumb injury in the middle of the year. And when Dak came back, the Cowboys, I believe actually were the number one scoring offense in the NFL down the stretch. Um, certainly top two or three, but I'm pretty sure they were number one. I think Dak was only like better than a top eight quarterback, like twice, even though they were the number one scoring offense in the league. I like also feel like every playoff, I leave the NFL season with a bad taste in my mouth because of Dak Prescott's playoff performances. He basically just gets annihilated by the Niners every year. And I'm like, is this guy good? <laughs> Dude, I, the Cowboys too, just I, to talk real football for a second, the fact that the two Cowboys seasons ended in a row with like the one two years ago where like they just ran out of time with 19 seconds left and they couldn't snap a freaking ball versus, and remember the next day, the Chiefs and Bills do the 13 seconds game and they score like 14 <laughs> points. Wow, I didn't realize seconds. they were back-to-back -back days like, that that happened. Back-to-back -back days. <laughs> and then the next year, the Cowboys actually do more embarrassing and Dak throws a pick six and then like throws another one in the guy's chest then throws yeah. like another pick and then they end Zeke Elliott's last play as a cowboy is at center 
Yeah. And he gets pancaked. And it was, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have the, the way DK talks about the ick for Mark Andrews. I kind of have the ick for Dak after the last couple seasons of like in the biggest moments, Dak fashions himself a big Kobe Bryant guy, like a closer. Dude, he's been so bad in these situations outside that one Bucks game that was incredible. Like, dude. I'm, I, from a real football perspective, I'm a Dak defender. From a fantasy perspective, I agree with everything that Craig said. And, you know, there's a distinction there. It's just basically like, where's the ceiling going to come from? Unless he starts running a ton, you know, he's just, I, I don't think he's got it. And so you take the guys around him like Daniel Jones, who could make a big leap as a passer and he runs for 700 plus yards, you know. Uh, Tua, who was leading, or I think he was second in the NFL in yards per game when he was uh, healthy and under center. And so, I don't know. There's just more upside, more excitement with other guys. I still, I want to be clear. I like Dak. I think he's actually a good quarterback. But fantasy, it's just, I'm not motivated whatsoever to draft him. All right, TK, what's the player you hate but have to rank? This is another guy who I actually think is pretty good player. I just don't want to have to deal with it anymore. I don't want this guy on my team. I'm sick of seeing him there and trying to decide whether I should start him or not. It's AJ Dillon running back for the Packers who mm. um, last year he was the RB 36 in half points PBR nine, nine points a game. So he was perfectly fine flex option. You know what I mean? But you'd not you're just not going to have a lot of upside with this guy. Um, you know, he only plays about half the snaps because Aaron Jones is still there. They kept Aaron Jones in town. So that really limits his upside unless Aaron Jones gets hurt. Um, you know, he was 12. He had 12.6 touches per game. That's 35th in the NFL. He went over 100 scrimmage yards one time in seven game, 17 games. You know, there's just he, he actually got worse. It felt like too in like elusive rating and breaking tackles last year. He just was very, very average. So what? At the end of the day, he just becomes a touchdown or bust type player. Like, I want to do that at tight end. I'm used to doing that at tight end. I don't want to do that with running back. You know what I mean? I'd rather find another guy that's going to catch a bunch of passes or whatever, has more ceiling than A.J. Dillon, who's going to carry the ball 12 times for 75 yards, and that's it. You know, I just, I'm sick of it. I don't want to deal with this. I think he's fi- he's a fine player, but every time I see him, I'm just like, yeah, that's no thank you. Doing the split backfield thing is just always annoying. It, doesn't it feel like if, if you have Aaron Jones on your team, it feels like all they do is give the ball to A.J. Dillon. And then if you have A.J. Dillon, yes, it feels like yes. they, all they do is give the ball to Aaron Jones. I've had Aaron Jones for like three of the last four years in fantasy football. And I'm like, A.J. Dillon looks like he's playing 80% of the goddamn snaps. <laughs> and I know it feels the same way uh, on the other side. Yeah. I, I feel like you also get a disproportionate experience with them, to your point, Craig, because I feel like the Packers were in prime time so much with Aaron Rodgers that you had way too many matchups come down to A.J. Dillon. And, like, he probably disappointed you. 100%. It's going to get you, like, six or seven points. What are we doing uh, The here? only, the only argument, DK, not argument, but the only outcome where I think he could... Uh, the only excuse, honestly, is probably the word, is that the Packers' O-line was, like, a mess last year and they're healthier this year. But, honestly, the, uh, you're right. It's It's... It, I, I think the combo of like Rogers not be really being able to throw deep as much combined with the O-line being worse, like created like a worse running environment, but he just didn't look like he had the juice. It's like, yeah, that's the other thing is when you watch him, it was like, man, this is frustrating. Every time they give him, you know, I've been an AJ Dillon believer and defender. And last year in particular, I think he, he you know, he's, he's talked about coming in a little bit lighter and he, so he wants to be more explosive this year. But I just, when I picture him last year, it's like he just hits the line and someone drags him down you know, for like three yards. He, he never was breaking free. He never was creating explosive plays. Literally, the only time he scored double-digit points in half PPR last year are the games he had a touchdown. I know, I know that's like how scoring works, but like you really, ha- he has to have a touchdown to be worth anything. You know what I mean? It felt like it was going to happen 
and Aaron Jones was going to get phased out. And I remember that first year, it was like, oh my God, AJ Dillon's actually better than Aaron Jones. And it just never materialized. I just want, I just want off that ride. I don't want to have to deal with AJ <laughs> Dillon anymore. I'm sick of it. All right, Craig, you want to go or should I actually talk about Michael Pittman now? Yeah, why don't you talk about Michael Pittman? I think I've mentioned him a bunch. Um, Michael Pittman's a nice guy. <laughs> like he's a nice an, guy. Is this is an analogy here? I, it's it's just you know you know what I mean. Like when you talk to a friend, you're like, "How'd the date go?" And they're like, she, "He's a nice guy. He was nice." Yeah. He's and nice. you're like, "Oh, so oh, nothing wrong with <laughs> nothing long term. It's not wrong with them. It's just someone named uh, Matt emailed in to say Michael Pittman's a forty degree day from the wire, completely and utterly unremarkable." <laughs> And like, I, I just, I do not have the emotional bandwidth. So we have Michael Pittman as our 34th receiver, 77 overall. And that is about where I'm like, all right, fine. At this point, I'll take him. But like, right. I just don't have the emotional bandwidth to hold Michael Pittman's hand through Anthony Richardson's rookie season. And that yeah. is ultimately what this comes down to is like, I think Michael Pittman's a really good player. And he's had to, he's like Terry McLaurin light. It's like, he's had to deal with Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger and Carson Wentz and all these bad quarterbacks. But now it's like, we're expecting Anthony Richardson to be a consistent passer. That seems crazy. And so basically Mike Clay at ESPN did a really good job breaking down the math. And it's really simple. The Colts actually threw the ball a lot last year. It's like Michael Pittman last year, top 10 among all receivers in snaps, top 10 in routes, top 10 in targets. Michael Pittman set career highs and catches career highs and end zone targets. Wasn't even a top 20 receiver. And so it's like, if he did mm -hmm. all that and now the Colts are going to throw the ball like a hundred fewer times, how much better does he have to be? Per throw, it's like, you know, we're expecting, we have to expect Anthony Richardson to be actually an above average rookie passer. Right. And a historically great rookie rusher. At that point, just take Anthony Richardson. Like it's a requirement that Anthony Richardson has a crazy good rookie season to take Pittman. Why wouldn't I just wait and take Richardson himself? And then if he isn't a good passer, he still might be good anyway as a rusher. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of research done on what rookie quarterbacks do for their pass catchers. And generally speaking, it's very rare for rookie passers to produce, to help produce like top 12, top 24 receivers. It's just like a rare thing. Rookie, rookie quarterbacks have a huge, massive learning curve. Generally speaking, they're not very good. It's very rare that they'll have like elite numbers. And so add in the fact that Anthony Richardson is like one of the more unique rookie quarterbacks of all time in terms of like his lack of experience, lack of polish and things like that. Yeah, I just you're just going against the odds, really, that that Michael Pittman is going to have an elite season here. I think he's just the type of guy who, you know, I'd rather just take someone else in that area, to be totally honest. At least with Terry McLaurin, who's the the captain of the I have the worst fucking attorneys group. You kind of know that he's still capable of putting in a top. 20 top 15 season even like despite the bad quarterback it's unfortunate because he could probably be like a top seven guy with a good quarterback but we actually have no evidence that michael Pittman can even be a top 15 20 guy with a shitty quarterback so i don't even he, he might be worse than the terry mccorn he might be the new the new leader of that of that group because the bottom could fall out and he could be Darnell Mooney with Justin Fields last year. Dude, Terry McLaurin, I, honestly, he's on this list too for me. Guys, like I, I love Terry McLaurin's probably the best player that I don't actually want to rank because I, every time I look to put Terry McLaurin down, it, Terry McLaurin, like the top 50-ish players in our rankings, I'm like, these guys are all really good. And then Terry McLaurin's like that first guy at like, we have him right now at 53 overall. And he's like the first guy where I'm like, Man, I, I I could 20 spots later, I still don't know. Because Terry, <laughs> you know what he is? Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman, 
they like everyone likes them, but no one loves them. Like Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman, they're everyone's cup of tea, but they're not your shot of whiskey. You like, you know, it's you want someone to make you feel like you got struck by lightning in yeah, this yeah, round. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. you're taking this person maybe over Justin Fields or like George Kittle or like Keenan Allen, who was again a top five receiver for the like once he came back. And it's like, I, I, I don't know, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, these guys are like dark horse MVP candidates. Terry McLaurin's playing with Sam Howell. He's a bottom five quarterback. He's a bottom five O-line. They have to play the backups on defense just to run their offense. I'm like, I, I don't know. I want someone who sets me on fire, man. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have to wait for a miracle every time your guy runs down the field. I mean, if we think Sam Howell to Terry McLaurin's a miracle, Anthony Richardson to Michael Pittman might be turning water into wine. I have no idea. Also, he's the thing with McLaurin is he's going to be competing against Jahan Dotson, who we also love, who's also a good player. And that just like dilutes his potential even more, I feel like. So, you know, if this offense isn't super pass heavy or whatever, there's just a small piece of the pie there to, to be spread out. And so, yeah, it's just it's, it worries me. I think with, at least with Pittman, like he's the clear cut guy in that offense with with McLaurin. It's I think. John Dotson's kind of nipping at his heels. Craig, you said it before. It's like down the stretch last year, they were basically neck and neck in terms of fantasy points per game. So that also just makes it tough too. Should we keep going here in the the wide receiver dread zone? Because I have another one who I hate but have to rank. Yeah. Mike Evans, man, on the Bucks. <laughs> I was kind of thinking about it. Mike Evans might be the 2008 housing market. <laughs> the last right. three years, he was kind of riding high on the mortgage-backed securities of Tom Brady historically <laughs> high passing volume of the bucks, historically high. Every time you thought you might not be able to, be able to afford your mortgage, just refinance. The bucks would throw it <laughs> even more and you just bank on those TDs, baby. Mike Evans, 33 touchdowns in the last three seasons. And this year he has Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. And I think Mike Evans defaults and becomes the Lehman brothers this year. I'm out. There's so, so many, so many metaphors. <laughs> so is Mike Evans a bank or is Mike Evans a stripper in the big short who has four mortgages? Mike Evans is the stripper with four mortgages. Just, <laughs> oh just, just depending on 630 passing attempts and tw- and a million red zone targets from Tom Brady. Every right right when you're about to go under, right when you're right when the bank is about to repossess your house and, and whatever foreclosure, he has a 207 yard three touchdown game in week 17. You're like, I'm back. Just as he was about to not have a thousand yards for the first time in a season, Tom Brady's like, you know what? We're just going to force feed him to give it, get him over a thousand. Yeah, he was so frustrating to have on his, on your team last year, man. Like, I recognize he's a good player and what he's done to the first X amount of years. How many years has he been in the league now? He's like, like seven. seven or eight, yeah. seven or eight straight one thousand yard seasons. Like, un- there's no way you can say he's a bad player. He's a great player. Still nine seasons, nine frustrating. seasons with a thousand yards. Steve Carell's walking out of the like watches Mike Evans one time. Steve Carell walks out. I was like, there's a bubble. It's a bubble. <laughs> there's a bubble. 33 touchdowns in three years. 600 passing attempts for three straight years. That can't hold. Tom Brady's <laughs> gone. Well, my favorite stat running is that Tom Brady had more pass attempts last season, including the playoffs than Trey Lance has um, in high school, college in the NFL. Combined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which every time I say it sounds fake, but it's true. Get out now. Oh my God. Well, well, that's really good. Uh, yeah, it's all these guys. At least Mike Evans used to make you feel something, but now it's kind of like extremely fizzled. But it's the through line with all these guys where it's like, you just are going to have to pray for these guys to catch the ball from like Baker or Kyle Trask. And it's like, it, it is true. It's like, you're going to be at like Sunday morning. Like you're going to be doing your Ricky Bobby, like dear baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounces. Like, please let... Mike Evans actually have more than 18 receiving yards today. 
And it just, all these guys, you feel like they're on the Chicago Bears. Like, how much did we make fun of the Bears last year for being Navy? And like, all these guys kind of have Navy vibes. Yeah, speaking of the Bears, I got a couple Bears receivers that I just really don't want anything to do with this year. And again, (laughs) I think these players are good. I think DJ Moore and Darno Mooney are good players. I think they're good receivers. Uh, This is purely (laughs) me not wanting to have anything to do with the Bears passing game, which I'm going to go ahead and say this. Like, they're going to have more attempts and they're going to have more yards than they did last year. Justin Fields is going to pass for more yards and have more attempts than he did last year. It's almost certain. However, I don't know if it's going to be like a massive amount more than last year. I think marginally they're going to pass more. They're going to get more. They're going to have more efficiency through the air. You know, all that stuff. It's going to be good for everyone in this offense. But to me, I don't think it's going to be a big enough change to really move the needle when it comes to TJ Moore. Here's some numbers from last year. DJ Moore, in in a similar-ish offense, obviously um, different quarterback, but run-heavy scheme. Like they were trying to mitigate exactly how big of an impact the quarterback would have last year on Carolina's offense. And that's exactly what the Bears were doing last year with Justin Fields. He was the wide receiver, 34 and a half PPR points per, per game last year, DJ Moore was. And that was while ranking eighth in target rate. Like he was commanding a massive amount of targets relative to the total passing attempts of their team. And he still ended up as the wide receiver, 34 in points per game. I feel like this is exactly what's going to happen this next year. Like his target rate is probably going to be like 25, 30%. Like we're going to love that target rate, but I just don't think the actual volume of targets and volume of yards and touchdowns is going to be enough. The volume matters. And, you know, in, in even an offense that has more passing than last year, I still don't think it's going to be enough. I was going to say, he's going to get three of the eight slices of pizza, but then the pizza comes and you're like, oh, this is like one of those <laughs> little pizzas. You're like, this isn't even going to fill me up. He's the definition of better in real life than in fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, that's his whole career, frankly. Um, and unless he has like double digit touchdowns, which I suppose is certainly possible, but unlikely based on what he's done in his career and what we're <laughs> expecting from Justin Fields. Again, I think Justin Fields is going to take a jump, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to really invest in DJ Moore and expect much from him. And then as far as Darno Mooney, I'm a little bit worried about his role in this offense. Now he's missed some time in, in training camp with an injury, I believe. And there's some indication coming out of like Bears camp that Chase Claypool might be the quote unquote number two receiver in this oh. offense based on what they're doing, based on the way that they want to run their offense. And so in two receiver sets, so in other words, in, in two tight end or two running back sets, which I could see the Bears doing a fair amount of, is Darnell Mooney even going to be on the field? Is he going to be their number two guy? They sunk what was essentially a first round pick in a Chase Claypool. Um, you know, and I think that they're going to try and get him. It was really the heavily worst freaking trade. Yeah, <laughs> tough trade. Um, but I, I think there's a chance that Claypool is the number two and Darnell Mooney ends up being sort of the number three guy. And that would, again, that's not what you want. The number three guy in a low volume passing offense. No, thank you. So, yeah, I, um, I think that makes sense, though, what you said about the two receiver sets, because Chase Claypool has, if I am thinking right, literally five inches and like 45 pounds on Darnell Mooney. Yeah. Like and just he's as like, a blocker. You know, like, he's, he's, yeah, he's going to be probably more effective as a blocker. Like the size thing is definitely. Yeah. Uh, Moody and more are more redundant. And Ch- Claypool is like, at least like a kind of a big deep threat that you can chuck the ball to and he can block and kind of just yeah. bring something different. I think you're totally right to get, you know what all these guys need? Cause really what we're talking about is like all these guys are like, wow. It's like, you can say in theory, well, they're going to have this many yards, this many touch, but then you watch the games and you're like, oh my God, they're eking out. Like this is stressful to watch. You know what they need? All these guys. We need like queer eye for their quarterbacks. Like, you know, like, you know, the like queer eye, you ever watch it and people can like nominate their slobby, slovenly friends. Slovenly. We need receivers to nominate their quarterbacks and we can like spruce up their lives. 
Isn't that Alder what play. coaching is? Isn't that what a quarterback coach <laughs> and an offensive coordinator are supposed to do? Yeah. It's our job to make Kyle Trask better. Isn't that the isn't that the fucking professionals on the sidelines? <laughs> well, clearly we need other people to do it. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do well, for not, Sam Howell? I don't think I'm going to do it. We need someone to, I don't know, we're like a EP. So we need like know. an independent council. We need council. Sean McVay to come in and like Yeah, that's actually interesting. It. We need like an independent council of coaches who can kind of step in. It's like bar rescue. They just come in clean house and they're like, all right, we'll take Baker Mayfield from here. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like you get Carson Wentz. He needs someone to work on footwork, someone to work on their arm strength, pliability, and then someone that just sits there and says, what the fuck was that? Like, you, honestly, we should have one of them should be four coaches and one's a dad. And a dad's like, what were you thinking? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, why'd you throw with your left hand, Carson? This has literally happened, by the way, twice in the Jared in Jared Goff's career. So go back to Jared Goff's rookie year. He was the top overall pick. Atrocious. He was fucking terrible as a rookie in the Jeff Fisher offense, which was like, you know, archaic, really boring, bland, blah, blah, blah. Like, just not designed for Jared one of the Goff five worst offenses of the 21st century. I believe it was terrible. And then they, they sign or sorry, they bring in Sean McVay to be the head coach. And all of a sudden, you know, over the course of one and a half seasons, essentially like Jared Goff turns into like a high flying, like one of the best offenses in the NFL. And he led one of the best offenses in the NFL. And then, you know, fast forward a few more years and all of a sudden Jared Goff has lost his confidence again. It doesn't seem like McVeigh knows what the fuck to do with him. They figured out exactly what they're doing. The NFL did in terms of, you know, limiting this offense. And so they, they make this huge trade. Matt Stafford comes in and Jared Goff goes to the Lions. We think Jared Goff's like careers over again and whatever. Now Ben Johnson has re he, he somehow figured out how to make Jared Goff good again. I don't know what they're doing, but like there's actually something to this. If it's where if you get the right guy, to kind of like reimagine the style or whatever, like give him a new haircut. There's ways that you can improve these quarterbacks for sure. It's like scheme does better. Jared Goff's season last year was the second best season of his career, which is yeah. in, kind of interesting considering I think he had four seasons with McVay and yeah. this was the second best season of his career. I had a drunken conversation with my brother-in-law a couple weeks ago, like two, three in the morning. And, and he and his brother- <laughs> so your love, wedding? Yeah. No. <laughs> he and his brother love Jared Goff. My two brother in laws. My two <laughs> brothers in law. They love Jared Goff. Um, they're like pseudo Rams fans. And at 2.48 a.m., as he was drinking Jack and Cokes, <laughs> he was telling me why he'd rather have Jared Goff than Aaron Rodgers this year. <laughs> like in fantasy or real life? In real life. Craig, what's going on with California fans? I'm th there's a cult for Goff, too. There's a mini cult for Goff. <laughs> I'm confused. Are they Lions fans or Rams fans? They're Rams fans. They love Jared Whoa. Goff. Jared Goff got the wrong... He got the short end of the stick on that whole thing. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. I mean, like, they're happy the Rams won, whatever. Like, Stafford's cool and all, but they always thought... Whoa, 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 whoa. What? What? They're happy the Rams won the Super Bowl. This is how Kobe fans sound when LeBron <laughs> went to the Lakers. Like, you want, whatever, we want a championship. That guy ain't shit, though. They just always thought Goff got the shaft, the short end of the stick, and that he was yeah. the guy than they got thought. rid of and immediately won a Super Bowl with. And they're like, yeah, whatever. I wish that guy. That's insane. I don't think they think he's better than Stafford, but they think that he is, you know, a top 10 quarterback in the league. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he definitely, like, I, his stats last year, he's pretty damn good. I kind of think Geno Smith could have just done the same thing. It's not better. He's all right. He's good. He's good at what he does. I think that every fan base would be insulted. Like, I can personally guarantee you that Giants fans, Lions fans, Seahawks fans take Geno, Goff, Jones, and everyone would be insulted that any of those guys are ahead of them. 
We were talking about this at, at dinner the other night, me and once again, my two brother, brothers-in-law. <laughs> How do you say that? Brothers-in-law? Um, Bro- yeah, it's like attorneys general. I think it's not yeah, brother-in-law. It's, it's like, there's only it, one law. Is it sons of bitches or son of a bitches? Sons of bitches. Definitely. Sons of what? That's <laughs> son of a easy. bitches. But anyway, <laughs> that funny to say that one was way. super easy. I want to ask you guys a hypothetical. We're just going to kind of veer off here on a tangent. Okay. If you have one game or one season, this coming season, who would you want at quarterback for your team? It's the same team. It's an average football team. Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, or Dak Prescott. Rank them. And we're removing like the cultural part of getting rid of quarterback. Like I'm just airdropping them on. Airdropping them in. Kai says F Mary Kill. I'm killing Goff. <laughs> <laughs> For one season, I would take, I'd marry Dak. I'd, well, fucking Kirk sounds awful. Fuck off, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, I don't want Kirk. I'd no, rather lose than have Kirk. That is the conundrum here. I don't want to fuck or marry Kirk no, either. I'm killing Kirk. Yeah. Goff is definitely fucked, but not a marry. It's a, it, it's a question though. Dak and Goff, I'm keeping. Kirk and fuck it. But he might be in that range. It's kind of like when they asked that question to me, I was like, oh, I actually think Goff belongs in that conversation. I got to tell you, Bill yeah. Simmons's idea of, the Kirk Cousins should just be on a roving, like he should just be on a one or two year window with every bad team because he's Ultimate always QB. an upgrade yeah. over. Yeah, he should be the automatic quarterback, like in flag football, where it's just like the Panthers last year could have just gotten Kirk Cousins. Everyone would be thrilled. And then he should just move on before people get tired of him. Yeah. It's just like a journeyman. Goff could take that next. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. NFL futures are out, and now's the time to get in on the action early this season because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. I like the Atlanta Falcons at better than 2-1 to one to win the NFC South. DK's hated Arthur Smith. I actually think the Falcons are going to win the division. You can pick local teams or players where applicable. Go to the FanDuel Sportsbook app to find more options. Tons of different player props, passing yards, touchdowns, rushing, receiving totals, whatever. You can bet on who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to win the division. Super Bowl matchups. You can parlay together all those different picks for bigger payouts. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash Ringer Fantasy to join today. There's no better place to get ready for the football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NFL. So don't miss your chance to get $1,000 in bonus bets back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, go to FanDuel.com slash Ringer Fantasy to sign up today. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Okay. Uh, other players we love, we hate but have to rank? James Conner. I just, I'm having trouble getting there this year. I, I know that every year <laughs> he kind of like sneaks out good seasons, but... I think the worst thing in the world is a, is a wide receiver with a shitty quarterback because every every play feels like a miracle. But second on that list is a running back on a terrible offense. The mm. Cardinals are going to be so bad this year. And if you need nine points out of James Conner on a Monday night game, that feels like a miracle to me. The amount of three and outs this team is going to experience where he gets one carry for two yards. They have two incomplete passes in a row and they punt. And you're like, well, I guess he'll get the ball again 15 minutes from now. And I'll have to hope. <laughs> uh, I, he sees, a, he sees a lot of work. There's not like a lot of competition going on in Arizona, but he's always banged up. He's literally never had a healthy season. There's an entirely new coaching staff in there. The O-line's terrible. I'm having trouble with Connor. He also, I, I agree. The, 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 the guy's never had 800 yards in a season rushing. Connor, Connor to me is tough because one, it's, can he stay healthy? And then two, I keep wondering if, you know, like the backdoor cover, you know, you bet on a game and then this, I keep wondering if he's a backdoor cover player mm. where it's like the first, he's the opposite of the Eagles last year where the Eagles basically didn't play football in it's the fourth the quarter. And they still were, yeah. It's, yeah. It's the Blake Bortles in 2015. It's like James Connor might have like six points in the first three quarters. And then like, there's good, like Cardinals are going to be down like. 20 points and then like two drives he'll catch like five passes on those two drives and end with like 17 points <laughs> yeah. of Jaylen which hurts. we're all in garbage time yeah exactly two, two years but, ago not last year to be clear yeah hurts yeah before he never played in the fourth quarter all Jalen Hurts did was get points in the fourth quarter it's kind of weird <laughs> he's like a there's Tetris just, piece he, there's just nothing worse than having a running back on a team that will immediately go down 14-0 <laughs> and you're like well don't think they're going to be running a lot. <laughs> He's definitely at the very least like James Conner is going to be like the draft him and don't watch him play because like you're basically like, hey, look, this guy might be like a three down back. And you're like, I'm the worst team in the entire league. But yeah, it's it's weird, man. I completely agree. I don't know what to make of him. I feel like I'm going to I'm going to have a lot of Conner this year because everyone really? else is going, to, is going to think the same thing, Craig. I don't know why I'm I'm strangely into James Conner this year. Maybe I'm, I think I'm just being like a, a contrarian or something, but like, I, I don't, I don't think Kyler's going to be out as long as everyone thinks he's going to be out. If that's the case, they're going to be fine. They're good. Their offense will be good. If Kyler's out out there. Well, Why? he was actually better without Kyler last year. I was <laughs> Kyler doesn't check down. Also, uh, I got to tell you, I think Kyler kind of sucks, man. He does. I don't, I don't. Okay. Okay. Wait, I want to add him to our fuck, Mary kill. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray. Oh, uh, well, uh, the AC Dak and Kyler for me, the first two. Can we do like pre ACL Kyler? Cause I got it. I'm torn because I'm, I think it's one of those, you know, you have friends where like something, something like whatever the situation is. And you're like, you know what? Everyone's wrong. That's how Kyler I feel like was last year where it's like Kyler was, seems like a diva. The, the ownership was wrong. The front office was wrong. The coaching staff was bad. The line was bad. Everything about the situation's bad. However, Kyler also, I think is like, seems like he had some Ben Simmons esque leadership traits. And I'm like, I, I, dude, I've all right. Quarterbacks in my lifetime that have been criticized for work ethic and leadership by active teammates, Carson Wentz, Baker, and then Roethlisberger when some teammates, you know, criticized him for like five different things. Ben Roethlisberger I, I and Kyler Murray, very similar players. 
I know, but I can't. No, I'm just saying, like, I can't think of other quarterbacks who've been criticized by teammates. The other, we're talking captains of the team being like, yeah, you know, he had to grow up. They're the quarterback. Right. Okay. Well, you're talking about leadership, which I get. And I think that's a valid point. Like, they literally fucking put in his contract that he had to work. You know, he had to study. He fucking signed it. <laughs> I know, but he's setting the tone for the team. Well, Heifetz, what does your contract say? How, how many hours of football do you have to watch according to your contract, Heifetz? What's it say? <laughs> I have a one-to-one with video games I play. Okay, cool. Got it. Madden, though. It's got to be Madden. Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Email oh, me, uh, ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. I'm having trouble with auto-build. Send me, like, designs or whatever. With anything Tears of the Kingdom. Ringerfantasyfootballgmail, please. Kyler doesn't suck. That's ridiculous. I don't think he sucks. I just think that... You said, I kind of think he sucks. I said, I kind of think he <laughs> sucks. And tape. I do kind... I kind of think he sucks. That's exactly how I feel, which is he doesn't actually suck. But I think that Kyler's ceiling, even just as a real-life quarterback, I just feel like... I guess let me phrase it this way. I'll be very interested to see what happens with Kyler when he comes back from this ACL and how he plays um, his style of football without his backyard scramble, as DK perfectly said, um, running like a toddler who stole your phone. And just same way Russell Wilson has had to change his game when he doesn't have mobility. If Kyler isn't as mobile and as easy to make all world-class elite defensive end athletes miss, I'm curious to see what the fuck he's going to do. That's all. Kyler's played one playoff game, DK. He had 137 yards and two picks. Yeah, that's, I mean, okay, that's one game. <laughs> we can well, judge his whole career. You know why it wasn't game. two games? <laughs> <laughs> do we have to do this with everything? That though? was the like, all-time bad body language game, yeah, I will say. Uh, that was the Zach Wilson-esque body language. No, DK, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't think he'll ever be in the Joe Burrow, Herbert, not even Mahomes, that's not fair. Of the course he won't. Burrow, well, I'm not saying, I'm he's, saying he's like an elite quarterback, but I don't, he definitely doesn't suck is what I'm saying. We would know by now, to be honest, if he was Joe Burrow <laughs> or Justin Herbert. I I'm said he, we would. I, I just, in a different style of play, I basically think he's a glorified Geno, Goff, Kirk tier, but like different because those guys are more like system quarterbacks and Kyler. I, I don't know. It, it, similar to Russell Wilson. He's so, yeah. can he play in a system? He's five foot ten. The, there has the been line. some talk just based on like some of the things that beat reporters have said prior to the season that the Cardinals are going to try and go to to like a more traditional under center, you know, run game oriented offense, like basically the opposite of what uh, Kingsbury was trying to do. And I don't think Kyler's ever done that. Like, I, I don't think it's really been his experience whatsoever. So that that will be interesting. For How's sure. he going to see? That's like when he kind of sucks. I'm also not kidding about the kind of seat thing, like the trying to see. Well, when you're rolling out and stuff and getting him getting him outside, that's like what Russell Wilson's done his whole career and, and done yeah. really well. He's short. Wait till Clayton Toon gets under center. Ah, this is a Clayton Clayton Toon pod. I think there is a a, a twenty percent chance that we get a Kyler Murray, Clayton Toon, Brock Purdy light situation where Cardinals fans by week eleven are like, "Dude, I like Clayton Toon better." I love that take. I'm just telling you, he could run an offense. It's like this, I, dude. Don't get me started. <laughs> Not on Kyler. That's a real life player. I hate, but I have to rank. Um, I actually think in fantasies, like you might as well take him, but Kyler. Any other players we don't like? Well, we're talking about injured players. I'll just say all the injured players. Kyler's the only injured player that's like, you're like, oh, I could get him for free. Brees Hall, a dude that's not even practicing yet, still off the ACL, and I'm like paying as if barely discount. Javante Williams, I guess you can kind of take him like later because there's such a discount on him. Rashad Bateman for the Ravens is impossible to rank. It's like you're going to spend a hot, top 100 pick on a guy that, I mean, I don't even know. What's the over-under on Bateman games played this year? Like 10? You know what I mean? At, at one point, like, should he be the third receiver drafted on the Ravens? Kadarius Tony, Hate those don't foot even get injuries. me started. I know. Yeah. Don't get me started on Tony. Tua, 
who's healthy, but honestly, a little like nerve wracking to watch play football. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All the injured guys are guys that I associate with injuries. Honestly, I have trouble ranking. They're all probably good values at their at their rank, and yet they still are kind of uninspiring to draft. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Javante might be a value at the right, but dude, Rashad Bateman and Brees, I, I just, I'm going to let someone auto-draft their ass. I don't know. I mean, if you're getting Bateman at like 120 or 100, at that point. At that of, point, yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like more like 90 right now. Yeah. I like Javante of that group. I feel like he's the, yeah. he's the value. I got to throw out one more guy that I've just, and Craig, you, you mentioned this the other day, I think you're like, I kind of hate Kyle Pitts. <laughs> like, I, I think like, I hate Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Yeah, I legitimately have sort of gotten there too. It's just, I don't want to, I don't want to think about him anymore. That's like where I am now. I still want to think about Kyle Pitts. I don't have to worry about him. I don't want Arthur Smith to hold any control over my emotions. I I, I recognize, look, all the football nerds are looking at me and being like, you're an idiot. The Falcons offense is good. That's fine. I don't care. I'm talking about fantasy. Arthur Smith's a loser who cares about winning (laughs) games. Like a loser. Well, look. You know my response to that. You fuckers draft him fourth overall. Like, fucking use him more. Have him play more than 70% of the snaps, you dumb shits. Anyway, I just don't want to have to talk about him anymore. I'm sick of it. Like, he might be the best tight end ever someday. I just don't want to think about him anymore. I, the I, Falcons I should be able to give up Kyle Pitts and and then retain the fourth pick in the draft back, and then Kyle Pitts just becomes a free agent. I, <laughs> I want two things to happen. I want to clip what we just... Tika just said, and I want to go back to the draft a few years ago, and I want to play this clip of Dan and Kelly to the previous Dan, older. No, Dan, this Dan is Dan the Kelly. point. This is the point. I've, that's why, exactly why I'm sick of talking about him because I, I was a full believer. I've lost my religion. I don't want to fucking think about it anymore. It's like you got out of a cult, you know, and you're trying to just put your life back together. Like, I don't want to like, talk about it. Leah Remini got out of Scientology and then she was like, what the fuck was I doing? I don't know how anybody <laughs> ever thought that this was okay. Yeah. I mean, look, he had a thousand yards as a fucking rookie. He's not like he sucks. I just don't want to have to deal with it anymore. I don't want to think about him. That's all. Pull over because I'm getting out. All right. I'm done. <laughs> I want off this fucking ride. I can't wait because I think the Falcons are going to win the division. So I can't yeah, wait they're for um... Probably going to be good. Like their offense is good. I don't care. Just like sweating your way through Kyle Pitts having 680 yards this year and five touchdowns. I don't need it. <laughs> also, he's 66 overall for us. And remember, I joked that we should have him 666. He is 666 because he's our six tight end. He's literally 666 in our numerology rankings. right there. Oh, wow. Kyle Pitts, end of the world. I'll wait. I'll wait till he's good. <laughs> I'll hop on the bandwagon late. He is good. I'm just, I, I just I'll wait, don't I mean, care. in fantasy. I'll wait till he's good in fantasy. Yeah, yeah, the year yeah. we're like Kelsey the first round, Kelsey's going to get hurt in week three and Kyle Pitts is going to have like 1,400 yards. And we're going to just. That would be great. I would love that. I would not be upset if he did. You that. would love Kelsey getting hurt? Well, no. I'm saying if he had 1,400 yards, I'd be stoked. Do you think there will be a season in the next five years where Kyle Pitts is the number one overall tight end off the board in fantasy? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I think it depends on his knee. Um, MCL. I kind of think the entire thing's based on him being this like athletic. I mean, once you know, very rarely seen player. And if he loses that athleticism, no. But if yeah. he keeps it, then yes. So Stefania Bell was on the Savage Throne podcast the other day talking about Pitts. She thinks there's more something else is going on with his knee because it, it, it it's he like just started practicing. Yeah. And it's been, yeah, he's not healthy. Know, it's been like eight months or something since he mm-hmm. heard it. Like this is concerning that he's number one, still wearing a brace. 
And number two, they're still talking about it. And he just like, you know, he's limited or whatever. Something's going on here that we just haven't heard about or they're not divulging to the public. I don't know. It's like, the, but, but that's the other thing too, is the injury, you know? And so the vibes, they're terrible with pits. I will not like you, you can whatever cold take me if he ends up like being the number one tight end, that's fine. But I just don't want to be on that train. I don't want to be part of it. All right. You guys want to do some emails? Yeah. Let's do it. Do you, if we said no, would you just end the show? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, we should try that one day, DK. We should just <laughs> secretly plan to be like, you guys want to do some emails? No. And he's like, all right. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> all right. It's from Hush. Hush. Hush wants to know about two quarterback leagues. I don't know how to play in two quarterback leagues. Do you just take Patrick Mahomes first every season? Yep. Say all the rules are the same. What's the two minute? Yeah, <laughs> That's the yes, answer. Yep. <laughs> he wanted the two minute rundown of how to win in two quarterback. That's the two second one. Yeah, take Wait, Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts is our first quarterback, though. Uh, quarterbacks yeah, sure, become hurts. running backs in two quarterback leagues, honestly. Yeah. Uh, what you pay for Christian McCaffrey in a one quarterback league is what you pay for Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes in two quarterback league is essentially a, a kind of a rudimentary way to look at it. Yeah, think about the scarcity and it's like, there's twice as many quarterbacks. So supply and demand, the demand is there's twice as much. And so instead of like in a one quarterback league, the worst starting quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, who we may hate, but it's like there are five back, like Geno Smith is like a fourth backup. In a two quarterback league, the worst starter is Kenny Pickett. Yep. There's a much larger gap between Mahomes and Pickett and Mahomes and Dak. So it, with that much more demand, what happens is the quarterbacks go first off the board. That's why I love two quarterback leagues. So it's like Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, whatever order you want him in. That's the top. And it's not, I would say roughly... Yeah, eight of the top 15, eight of the top 20 picks are going to be quarterbacks, and that's totally fine. And if you're going to wait on quarterback, don't wait too long. And it's a, it's a, it's a format that I recommend. I, my long-time league just switched to it a couple years ago, and it's just so much more fun. One, having two quarterbacks to root for is just fun, and two, having your quarterback's performance matter for fantasy football is just a lot of fun. It used to be, you know, the late-round QB, you get Kirk Cousins in the eighth round, he gets 18 points a game, and you're, you go on your merry way. Now, it's actually fun to you know, really depend on guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert putting up huge numbers that, that like fuel your team. I will say if you want um high upside backups, I would say my other advice for two quarterback leagues, always get four quarterbacks because the format, no one ever wants to trade the third quarterback, but someone always needs to trade for a quarterback. So if there's 12 teams, and, you know, there's only 32 quarterbacks, sometimes about 34, 35 with hurt people uh, floating around like Kyler, there's two quarterbacks. So if you have four, there's only going to be like one other team with four. And that way, if anyone needs a quarterback, they have to come to you and you can trade your fourth for something else. So it's like back your bench, fill your back bench with quarterbacks that will not get benched. Jordan Love, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett. Those guys are Derek not getting Carr. benched. Yeah. Derek Carr. So like fill, like get four quarterbacks and then you can always flip one later for more than they're worth. It's a good note. All right. Email from uh, Matt emailed us to tell us that we're assholes. Darren Matt. Waller was number 12. We were talking about Darren Waller wearing number 12. It's because he uh, is a recovering addict and he went to AA and did the 12 Oh, step. shit. So oh. we are We assholes. are the assholes. Holy shit. Okay. Apologies. No, we're not. We're not assholes. We didn't know that. If we knew that, we'd be assholes. We didn't know that. <laughs> okay. Well, we're ignoramuses. We're ignorant. <laughs> yeah, we're ignorant. <laughs> I don't know Sorry. what's better. I do feel bad about that. Uh, it's still, I will say it still looks weird, but that's okay. I, if it's uh, for a real reason, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Uh, all right. Tyler emailed more about uh, Tyler. dad stuff. Tyler. I've been loving the dad content. 
There's no bigger dad issue right now than college football and the realignment <laughs> mess of the yeah. past weekend. Ugh. My dad is an Oregon State alumni, and during one of our conversations, oh, no. he expressed the concern that Oregon State would no longer be going to be in the BCS conference. Obviously, he meant Power Five, because but the BCS has been gone for like a decade, and he, you know, dads should know this. What are other dad names that dads use that are like long, long outdated? And I think this oh. is like a great genre because it reminded me that Jackie's dad, Flex, my girlfriend's dad still gives directions, <laughs> like they're from Pittsburgh and he knows everywhere, but all the directions are based on businesses that went out of business 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. It's like if somebody like still says like Skype me and they just mean Zoom. <laughs> oh man, this is a very good one. I feel like we got to think about this. We get, get some more prompts from the emails for this one. Yeah. But, e- um, emails at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com if you're, any of your parents or anyone you know like uses these like ex- like decades old outdated phrases. Like Like my mom actually still called them like the LA Raiders. Wow. LA Raiders. That's yeah. Um, I'm thinking like people call it like a tape deck or something like that. I don't even know just archaic names for things that everybody uses now. TV selector. What do you guys call the remote control? The remote. Yeah. Did you call it a selector? I didn't, but I knew people that called it a TV selector. As a kid, we used to call it a clacky. <laughs> I feel like we've had is that this like a, your family thing. I, I don't like I know. know that. If anybody else has ever used the term clacky, please email us ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. That sounds like an Australian term. That's like an I, Australian it slang. Does. The clacky. Pass the I, clacky. It sounds like it was just, <laughs> we used to say clicker and then somebody once said clacky and then it just stuck. I don't know. Oh my God. All right. I got a golf lesson the other day and the guy teaching me was Australian and I actually got to drop. We're not fucking. We're not, uh, we're, we're not we're here not to fucking, fuck spiders. We're not here to fuck spiders. And I got to drop that in casual conversation. It was like the greatest moment of my life. Did you like, did you say that with a lead in of, Hey, this is a joke that we talk about on this podcast. I do. Or did you just say it out of the blue? No, in conversation, we were talking about like just swinging harder, let it rip. And I was like, yeah, we're not here to fuck spiders. And he was like, exactly. And I was like, yes. <laughs> that also, is, if you're that listening is really and cool. super confused, we had like a three month bit where we just had Australians email us Australian slang. Yeah. The highlight of our podcast probably was that one uh, green room where we had a Australian guy call in and just like talk to us. And we were just enamored with his accent for like five minutes. I think <laughs> it's just... the best accent in the world. And my yeah. goal in life is to do a live show in Australia. Oh, I love that. Oh my God. God, that'd be fun. We went to Sweden for a big Spotify event and I met this guy. We all met this guy, uh, Chris Bell, mm. a guy who works for Spotify Australia. Great dude. Forever out there, Chris. <laughs> you'll be at our show <laughs> just talking at us and we're yeah. laughing other dad texts um someone just sent a screenshot about because some dad texts and it was the family group chat and the guy like he's in the blue text like it's his text it's and he's writing to his family sorry to text in the middle of the night but dot 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 and it's a picture of his newborn baby like clearly mm. his wife's just had a baby he says little archie <laughs> came into this world at 2 a.m in the lobby of the hospital and then the dad and it literally says dad responds with three thumbs up emojis. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> this kills me. <laughs> to his, his new grandson, <laughs> thumbs three up. thumbs up. With three, it's okay. almost like patronizing. Yeah, yeah like a Roger Ebert review. It could have been four, but <laughs> and like this guy was like, he came into the world in the lobby of of a hospital. Clearly, like an interesting birth. Double in exclamation di- point. The dad basically said, neat. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) 
Oh that's God. like the same text. I'm like, hey, dad, you're going to pick me up at like five, right? And it's just like three thumbs up. His dad essentially said like, can't talk right now. Watching The Bear season two. Thumbs up. Just watching reruns of Seinfeld. I'm watching Triple D. Can't talk. Uh, Andrew emailed to say. Andrew. Hey, Andrew. I need more context about exclamation points in emails. I don't think I've ever added an exclamation point in an email. What? I, Psycho. I'm for, he said, I'm 41 years old. Have I morphed into an unknowing, crazy old man? Serial killer. You have. If you say thanks, period, in an email, you're a menace. <laughs> uh, I had a buddy text me, actually, about this. And he, he was telling me he's never used an exclamation point in an email. But... It's okay because he works with mostly 50-year-old men. And I was like, oh, well, that actually does make sense because you're like speaking their dialect. There's, you're speaking their terse, emotionless dialect. And, you know, people that are younger than us, people... So I'm 40. You guys are like 27, 28, 29, whatever. Uh, I can never keep track. You're young. Your generation, if you don't use an ex exclamation point, like you're talking to a fucking serial killer. It's, that's what it feels like. Yes, but also relatedly, I think... Periods and texts are also aggressive, and I think this will probably also blow Andrew's mind. The new period <laughs> yeah. has become no period at all. That, right. that is the standard way to text. If you're sending one sentence over text, no, no period, unless it requires a question mark or an exclamation point, I would say no period is the standard. Wouldn't you agree, Heifetz? A hundred percent. Like, all right, put it this way. If I'm like going to go, I don't know, if I'm going to go like, I don't know, it's freaking August. I'm like, hey, my brother lives 20 minutes from like, hey, I'm going to go get some ice cream. You want any? And if he says no, I'm like, cool. If my brother said no, period. I'm like, oh my like, God, did he want to call me? We need to talk. What I do? <laughs> Wait, is he mad? Call me right now. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Call me right now, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, grammar is for um, anger. Grammar is for anger. Yeah. Andrew, toss an exclamation point at the end of your thanks in an email. But you can't have it in every sentence or else you also look crazy. Yeah, there's kind of the sweet spot. It's the whole art to exclamation points in emails. I also think it's interesting that boomer-ish generation people will be, they're in on emojis, like they'll use the thumbs up thing, but then they still don't know how to use an exclamation point. I think people over 40 use emojis more than people under 30. Yeah. But here's the thing though. Why did it get this way? Like, why are we so <laughs> fragile about like exclamation points? How does a period send us everyone under 40 into like a spiral? We kind of are snowflakes. But why don't we use emojis? Is it because they're too emotive and we're too dark and moody and we don't want that? I don't know. I think because we think about, oh my God, is this emoji going to be interpreted? And dad's like, oh, this is simple. This is one button. I'm going to hit the one button. Is it because they grew up in the age where you're doing like Morse code and sending telegrams and shit and you had to be as like succinct as possible? Like every, every <laughs> character costs money. So you have to like, no. <laughs> What is the sound of music sending telegrams? Stop. <laughs> Three? I'm never going to get over this. I had a baby in the fucking lobby of a hospital. Thumbs up. <laughs> All right. That's uh, so good. <laughs> we also got a few more icks from- Can't talk. Um, the Braves game is on. <laughs> okay. Watching TBS. Also, shout out Jack, Aaron, and Joe. We got a few more icks. Jack, Aaron, Joe. Getting into a restaurant booth knee for uh, getting into a restaurant booth knee first at thirty years old. Knee first, <laughs> like where you're like walking you're on your knees, you're crawling in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting in that's very specific, but I love that. That's more than an ick. That's kind of a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
When a grown man clenches his nose with his fingers before he does a cannonball. Oh, yeah, that's a, oh, that's, that's yeah. a really good one. <laughs> and then it's so good. All of these are so good. Another <laughs> ick. Uh, when a guy says, it's my birthday week. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the real alpha thing to do would be just like not mention that it's even your birthday. I did that. At the office last week. That it's your birthday week? We recorded a full rewatchable, so I didn't tell anybody it was my birthday. Oh, alpha move. Love that. Power move. All right. It's my birthday. Email something at fantasyfootballgmail.com. More icks, more dad texts, um, more things that dads refer to by the wrong name that are 20 years outdated. Also football questions. I just thought of one. This is an accent thing, but it's like only old people do this. People say Washington instead of Washington. I don't know what it is. It's <laughs> that's like it, I know, but it's it's an accent, but only a certain generation says that. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Washington. Washington. So a gen, wait, so there's a generation. So people in Washington, how what's like the general threshold when like they stop 50 saying that? to 75. That's the, the generation that says Washington. No one else says it. That's interesting. Interesting. It's like you were born in the 1950s or 60s. That's what they, I was that's just how in they said Washington back then. I was in Massachusetts for a wedding this weekend and my friend um, said, shout out Rico. I was like, he said, I don't like, it's the, my least favorite thing about my Boston accent is I feel very stupid every time I say a new word. <laughs> it's like reading new words. <laughs> you know, like the first time he's like, oh, albatross. You know what I mean? Albatross. <laughs> albatross. <laughs> like, I feel very... <laughs> self-conscious that's really funny oh my god all right thank you dk thank you craig thank you kai thank you jack thank you lord lord thank you post malone you big posty guy uh i don't say i'm a big post malone guy but i like his i like that congratulations album whatever that album that was on yeah did you see the spider-verse movie the first one into the spider-verse no i haven't seen great post malone song on there sunflower yeah sunflower it does rip I've heard everybody thinks that's the best movie ever. DK, it, it is the Spider-Verse movies. Like they literally, Marvel was like, oh, we're just going to take this. Is that the cartoon one? Yeah. It's one of them. Like you can show it to Calvin, but it's for you. I'll watch it on my birthday week. When is your birthday? There you go. It's not for a while. October 2nd. Oh. Hey, how'd you know that? Is it October 2nd? Yeah. Wow. We're both on the 2nd. Look at us. Hi, if it's your what, March? Yeah. You have big March energy. Pisces? I don't know. I, I don't know astrology, but for some reason, March just makes sense. You know, Solak and I have the same birthday. Just like me and Chris Stapp's Porzingis. All right, goodbye, everyone. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgambling.com help.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.